You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, NASA Chuby. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talk. This week, the Seahawks getting ready for the New York football giants after a big victory over the Carolina Panthers in week three, beating them 37-27. to Bump, I'm not going to waste any time because it's Monday Night Football. It's time to get under the lights in prime time. Let's get into these New York Giants. What's on tap? What's on tap? The Giants, they are 1-2, last place in the NFC East, and it's been a brutal, brutal start for them to start this year. Lost 42-0, yes, 40-0 at home in the season opener to the Dallas Cowboys. Then they went on to play the Cardinals, who they were down by 21 points in on the road. Rallied to come back. It was the biggest comeback in the history of the New York Giants, actually tied for the biggest comeback win in franchise history as they beat the Cardinals. And then last week, they... Last Thursday night, they got beat by the San Francisco 49ers 30-12. And Bump, like I mentioned, outscored 101-40 to to start the year, 60-0 to in the first six quarters. Took that Herculean effort to come back against the Cardinals, man. It's been a, been kind of a rough slate, man. What did you see from these guys uh, against the, the Niners last Thursday? Yeah, it's, um, it's been tough for these guys, man. And um, they were competitive on the road in prime time, man. After quarter of that feature, just uh, a field goal. The 49ers scored on back-to-back possessions. You got a Ronnie Bell and a Chris McCaffrey score. The Giants will add a field goal at halftime, making it 17, or before halftime, making it 17 to 6. Second possession of the third quarter, the Giants will find the ends of what Matt Breida still playing football. Crazy. That name is still floating around. Good for you, uh, Matt Breida. That made the score 17 to 12. And that was as good as it got for these guys. The Niners will score the next. 13 points and win the game by a score of 30 to 12. Our guy Brock Purdy trying to figure out, is he good? Is he bad? What is he? He had a decent game, 25 of 37, 310, two touchdowns. But I remember him and Coach Shanahan saying uh, that wasn't enough. He left some throws out there. Yeah, I mean, look at the stat sheet. He looked good. I mean, you'll take you'll take 310 yards and two touchdowns, but they're at home against what most would agree is a inferior football team. But yeah, man, I, you look at the rest of that. Danny Dimes, who we're going to talk about a lot in this podcast, he had an average night. He went 22 of 32, 137, zero touchdowns, and one interception. He's a guy that I I don't know, Bump. We, for the longest time since me and you've been doing this, you know, we had question marks about Jimmy Garoppolo. We had question marks about Kyler Murray, when he was going to arrive. Daniel Jones is a big question mark to me. Big question mark. We still haven't seen what he can do this year. It's been kind of tough sledding. But this team is really, let's not get it twisted. This team is fueled by the running back, Saquon Barkley. When he's healthy, he's one of the best running backs in the league. We'll continue to talk about him. But he was held to just 29 yards on 11 carries. Obviously, he gets hurt. Or excuse me, without Saquon Barkley, they only ran for 30 yards. So he makes their offense go when he's not out there. It, it's it's rough, Bump. It's rough. And then you got Darius Slayton, led all receivers for the Giants with just 32 yards on three receptions. But going into the Seahawks game bump, if the Giants do have an advantage, is that they've been kicking back, you know, been in the been in the training room, got the ice and stem, got the game readies, 
been out there getting their bodies right because it's going to be 11 days between games because they got lucky. They play San Francisco, and they get a Thursday, and they don't play again until a Monday bump, so they should be pretty well rested for this matchup. Yeah, they should be good to go. They should be good to go. The thing about this matchup is, and we're going to get into this head-to-head, is that I just want to see this defense look good against this rested offense. Can you turn around and get her done? Let's look at the head-to-head. I look at the records. We know it's 2-1. and one. Seahawks and Giants are 1-2. and two. We talk about the offense. The Seahawks have the number 17th-ranked offense. The Giants' number 28th-ranked offense. When it comes to running the rock, the Giants are 25th, surprisingly, but that's mainly because Saquon Barkley hasn't been around to help out. They're 25th. The Hawks are 16th. Pass offense, the Hawks are 13th. The Giants are 28th. We want to keep it that way. And when it comes to scoring points, the Hawks are 4th in the NFL, scoring 29, and the Giants are 31. If you just are 31st, uh, scoring 14 points. If you just look at the offenses, because I feel like both teams have to lean on the offenses at this point of the season. You say, okay, Sox, just be who you're supposed to be, and you should be fine. But Danny Dimes, and if Saquon is healthy, they propose probably the toughest run challenge they've seen so far, even though the numbers don't tell you that. Yeah, looking at it, the numbers also don't tell you that the Giants have been down two starters on the offensive line. So that's definitely going to be something that that's impacting that run game. And last year, when the Seahawks actually were really struggling to stop the run, they actually kept Saquon in check. They held him to 53 yards on, I believe, like 20 carries or something like that. So, but that <laughs> apples and oranges now. That doesn't mean the Seahawks are going to go out there and stuff him. Now, we're going to wait and see on Saquon. He's day-to-day with an ankle injury right now, so we'll follow that up through the week. But that's I totally agree with you that I think this will be one of their toughest tests. And then when you think about Daniel Jones, when you have to defend the quarterback as a runner, too, that always makes it tough. He's, he's a sneaky good athlete, um, so that'll definitely be something to keep an eye out for. Defensively, Seahawks, you know, would like to improve where they're at standing-wise. It's only three games. Obviously, I'll say that anytime the Seahawks numbers aren't good. They're 29th in, in uh, yards per game, 407 yards allowed. They're six in rush defense, which we know they're doing a great job this year. 31st against the pass, giving up 328 yards per game. And they're 29th in yards or points allowed per game at 29.3. On the flip side, the Giants aren't much better. They're 24th in total defense, giving up 360 yards a game. 29th against the run, 18th against the pass, and 30th in points per game, giving up 32.7. So, I mean, the Giants, after getting shellacked against the Cowboys in week one, their numbers aren't going to be great. Um, they're, I don't really know this, to what to say about their defense. You know, you think about guys like Thibodeau and other guys on that squad, and I don't know. I mean, looking at the numbers, I feel like the Seahawks should at least have the advantage stopping the run, so definitely something I'm looking forward to. But, I, man, I really feel like the Seahawks can put up some points against them, Bump. Yeah, I think they can, and I think um, the Hawks expect to do that too, man. I think they found not – found their identity, but it got to show everyone else who they really want to be. And that's a team who has two running backs who will run by you and run through you and some tight ends that are probably the best tight end group in the league. So I, I just like the way the offense flowed. And until you get the whole band on the field when it comes to that defense, when Jamal's back, possibly this weekend, looking looking good, when Tariq is back, when Cam Young's out there, when everyone's out there and Clint Hurd has a chance to kind of mold this defense, then we can start saying, okay, what can the defense do to help out the O instead of vice versa? Yeah, no question about it. And Jamal's coming back. Barring something crazy happening this week, Pete said it. He's going to be out there. He's going to be flying around at practice this week. I can't wait to watch him on the field Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, getting ready for this game. But while we're talking about these two teams, the Seahawks and the Giants, they have played recently. Let's know the history. No, you're 
history. The all-time series between the Seahawks and the Giants is tied at 10 wins apiece. However, the Seahawks have won five of the last six games. Last meeting was here at Lumen Field. We touched on it a little bit ago. Seahawks beating the Giants 27-13. to And uh, it was during the good times of last year, Bump. Bump, last year, like, I have really fond memories of last season because the Seahawks proved so many doubters wrong. And when we played the Giants, that was the good times. So during a four-game win streak, they were stopping mm. the run. Things were doing really well. We won't talk about what the next six weeks were before we got back because those were kind of tough. But, no, in that game, it was great. I mean, it was a slow start for both sides offensively with punts on the first six possessions. Seahawks get on the board after that with a 15-play, 69-yard drive, ending with a Ken Walker touchdown. Tyler Lockett would fumble the ball on the two-yard line, giving the Giants the ball. Saquon Barkley would walk in the next play. Score side at halftime, but the Seahawks would take over in the second half. Tyler Lockett made up for that fumble, had a nice 33-yard touchdown down the right sideline, put the Seahawks ahead, and they wouldn't give up that lead. The Giants would they'd muff a punt. Seahawks would take advantage with another touchdown by Ken Walker, put the nail in the coffin. He had 51 yards and one touchdown in that game last year. Danny Dimes was not super effective. He was sacked five times, passed for 171 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. And like I said earlier, the best part of this game was the defense holding Saquon to 53 yards on 20 carries and that one touchdown that was just given to him. So if they can channel that energy bump, I'm going to feel pretty good. And, you know, if Saquon decides he needs another day or two to to get right, all good with me. Yep, yep. Take your time, Saquon. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Take your time. You heard the man, but let's get back into our division. What's the word? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? All right, those Niners are undefeated. One of three undefeated teams left in the NFL. They're 3-0. The Seahawks are 2-1. The Rams 1-2. And And the Cardinals are in the win column. Unexpectedly, I didn't think they would this early. They are 1-2 as well. Uh, but, man, the Rams lost another close game. It was in prime time against the Bengals in a Super Bowl rematch. And it wasn't what you would expect between Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow. You think shootouts, explosives everywhere. That's not what it was. The first half saw four field goals and no touchdowns. It was 6-6 six, six at halftime. And after a field goal to start the second half, the Bengals finally got into that end zone with a 10-play, 75-yard drive capped with a 14-yard run from Joe Mixon. And he was hyped after that run. They look good in them all-whites. Man, I got to give them some love for them all-white uniforms. Them things look kind of tight. Uh, that made the score 13-9. And Stafford would throw a pick on the ensuing, which led to a Bengals field goal. Wasn't necessarily Stafford's fault, neither. He got tipped at the line of scrimmage. Bam, things happened. And the Rams will finally get into the end zone late in the fourth quarter with a run-yard touchdown from Tutu Adwell, making it a three-point game. However, they wouldn't recover the onside kick, and the Bengals held on to the 19-16 victory. Both teams were horrible on third down. The Rams were 1-11. for 11, The Bengals mm. were 5-7. for seven. So bad. Matthew Stafford has worst game of the season, going 18 of 33 for 269, one touchdown, two interceptions. He also was sacked six times. The new number one running back, the kid out of Notre Dame, Kyron Williams, had just 38 yards on 10 carries. And then Puka let all receivers, hey, that's just what he does apparently these days. He had 72 yards on five receptions. And Jamar Chase had 12 for 141, no touchdowns. But the Rams are one and two. And they've lost to two pretty good teams. So I'm not I'm not ready to 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 sleep on the Rams quite yet. They don't have Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford had a bad game. 
They're they're dependent on a new running back now. They can still figure some things out, man. They they played the Bengals tough. Yeah, this division again, it, it's sneaky. Every week we go by, I'm thinking, are we trending kind of back towards the old NFC West? Just because you look at the Cardinals and the Rams, two teams that we didn't think would be very good. And yes, they're both one and two, but they've played some good football and they've been in every game. As we know, the Seahawks lost to the Rams in Week One, and the Niners have been out there playing good football since last year. So this this division is is better than people think, and I think we're going to continue to learn that as the season goes on. Which brings us to the other matchup in the NFC West: the Cowboys went up to Arizona to take on the Cardinals, and definitely the biggest upset in Week Three. Jonathan Gannon, Arizona Cardinals get their first victory of the season. He gets his first victory as a head coach, and Joshua Dobbs gets his first career win as a starter. And bump, I don't know if you saw this on social media. There's a thing. Dobbs didn't have jerseys in the pro shop. All that. They fixed it. They got my man his jerseys up in the pro shop. So good for him. Get his first little dub, you know what I'm saying, in the NFL. And it's his seventh season. So um, it's a guy that you're happy for. Prior to Sunday, he was 0-4 as a starter with the Titans and Cardinals. And he was super efficient. This is probably the best game he's played in the NFL. 17 of 21, 189 yards, one touchdown. QB rating of 120. Also had six carries for 55 yards, including a long of 40. James Conner, had another good day, 98 rush yards on 14 carries. Then Michael Wilson, Marquise Brown combined for seven receptions, 147 and one touchdown. But bump, the story of this game was about the Cowboys and about what they weren't able to do. 13 penalties for 107 yards. They closed the gap to 21-16, and then you have to settle for field goals. Then you have a couple drives come up short inside the 10, including one fourth down stop or Dak through an incomplete pass, and then the game kind of came to an end when he threw a pick in the end zone. He finished the day 25 of 40, 249, one touchdown and one interception. And here's the funny thing. I got a, I got a friend. His name's Trevor Beck. He's a Cowboys fan. And what up, Trevor? There's always something about them boys, right? There's always something about always. we hear about how good they're going to be, why they're going to beat everybody, and this and that. And you got to play the games, bump. That is why <laughs> you play the games, okay? But anyway, exactly. yeah, so I don't know if we learn more about the Cardinals or the Cowboys, I'm going to say in this case, because I just got to throw some shade at the Cowboys. I think we learn more about the Cardinals. I think that show that they're actually a better team than people gave them credit for, because I know, honestly, I do think the Cowboys are a good football team. I think they have a really good defense, but for them to go to Arizona and lay an egg like that, it was, it was pretty shocking, man. Pretty shocking. But anyway, NFC West looking good. Let's get back into this matchup with the New York football giants. Man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. All right, we've been talking about him. Daniel Jones, a.k.a. Danny Dimes. He's now in his fifth NFL season, and it's been up and down for this dude. It's been up as a leg because he just got paid, so he went up at the right time, I'll tell you that. All right, for the first time in his career, Jones didn't miss any games last year due to injury. He started all 16 of those games and set out week 17 after the Giants secured a playoff spot. Uh, Jones helped get the Giants to the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Last year, he uh, threw for 3,200 yards. That was a career high. 15 touchdowns and five interceptions. That was a career low. Also had 708 on the ground on 120 attempts and seven touchdowns. All career highs. 2022 numbers were enough to get the Giants to believe in him. That's why he got paid. Four years, $160 million extension with 82 guarantee. I should have been a quarterback. Oof. However, 2023, he's off to a rough start. And people in New York, they are going to let you know. All right, they're debating where they made a mistake. Was it worth it? Should we have paid this dude? So far this year, 562 yards, 
two touchdowns, four interceptions, 24 carries for 107 yards, and one touchdown. His four interceptions are just off, one off of the whole year last year. He only threw five of those things. I'm looking at Daniel Jones. I'm saying, look, I never hate on a man when he gets paid. You go ahead and get your money. But when they made that deal, I said, are you sure? Dave, are you sure? But, uh, hey, it is what it is, and that's who we got this week. Yeah, they see something in him, right? They stuck by him. They went up to get him in the draft. They've stuck by him through the first couple years. He's had different head coaches, different offense coordinators. But I don't know, man. Uh, because they're so dependent on what Saquon Barkley does, it's 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 hard for me to to go down that route. But they paid him, and he's had good things. Here's the thing. They did win a playoff game last year, the first time they've won a playoff game since they won the Super Bowl in 2011. So that's not a, a small feat. Right. Was Daniel Jones, uh, did he get a lot of help from the rest of that roster? Of course he did. And here's another thing about Daniel Jones, and this isn't all on him, but it's just a stat that's going to follow him because it is what it is. He's 1-11 in in primetime games. That's man. the worst record on that stage by a quarterback with at least 10 starts since 1970, man. Get off of Kirk Cousins there. Y'all leave him alone. <laughs> right? No. Daniel Jones. They don't, man. I don't, You're right. Kirk, he definitely has a bone to pick there. But, man, and, and here's another thing, too. After the, the Giants game, or excuse me, after the Giants and 49ers game, a bunch of Niners players kind of off the record made some comments about Daniel Jones. One of them. That dude didn't want to throw the ball. An unnamed 49ers defender told the San Francisco Chronicle early on, you could tell it, it wasn't going to happen. Everything was a check down. At that point, we knew what time it was. Oof. And when you look at it, when you look at it, he just had two passes that traveled more than 21 yards through the air. So he wasn't getting the ball downfield. I'll just say one thing, whether that's true or not, put your name to it, right? Yeah, right? Why I don't hiding? know. I feel like if you're, if you're going to throw shade at somebody, another grown man in, in this sport, I feel like you should put your name to it. I, don't I hope it was Fred Warner or Hufunga. No, Fred Warner did put his name to stuff. He, I forgot what his comments were, but he went on the record. He wasn't really bashing Daniel Jones. He kind of gave him a low-key compliment, but he essentially alluded to you know his performance. But like for me, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That rubs me kind of the wrong way, don't you think? Yeah, man, if you're going to be man enough to go out there and say something about him, you've already played him, ain't got to play him again unless you see him in the playoffs, go ahead and attach that name to it, at Adam. <laughs> and listen, what, it, it was right. I mean, that, I don't think he's wrong. It's just saying, like, put your name to it. But anyway, the Seahawks defense, you know, they're 31st right now. This will be a great week for them to improve how they've been looking defensively. The one big thing that they need to prove on is third downs. They're giving up 57.4% conversion rate bump. I just looked this up before the show, and only the Bears are worse. So the 31st in third down conversions defensively. I'm hoping that's something they can fix against uh, Danny Dimes and these Giants. Yeah, first and second down, too, because there's too many third and shorts when right. it comes to the Seahawks. So let's get it right. All right, let's shift over to Gino versus the Giants defense. Gino had another good one. Man, he was um, overall, I felt like they got off to a slow start, and that was evident. But then in the second half, he got it going. 12-13, 143, and one touchdown. Now, despite the rough start to the season against the Rams, Gino's still top 10 in all major categories. Completion percentage, 68.9. That's eighth in the league. Yards. 736, that's 10th. Yards per game, 245, that's 10th. QB rating, 98.8, that's 8th. QBR, 68.5, that's 8th. Big ups to all the Geno haters. I know you will be back soon because he's not going to be perfect. 
He needs 12 attempts to pass Warren Moon for seventh place on Seattle's all-time passing attempts with 787. He needs 120 completions to pass John Kenton for sixth place on Seattle's all-time completions with 659. And he's three touchdowns to pass Rick Meyer. Am I saying that right, Nas? Meyer, I think. He was uh, he Meyer. played with uh, Big Ray. Big Ray, okay. All right. And he had passed him for sixth place on Seattle's all-time passing touchdown list with 42. What's he look like in 2023? I'm feeling him right now, but what what, what you thinking? Gino, he's my guy, dog. Crushing it. <laughs> he's my guy, dog. <laughs> I, I mean, for real, though, when you watch him, I don't have the audio next to me right at this second, but I think everyone's seen it this week when he's the NFL inside the NFL, caught him on the sidelines talking to JSN and about right. just being a leader. And it's stuff that we don't see. Stuff like that happens all the time. It just happened to be captured this week, but it just kind of puts a perspective on when fans see when things aren't going the player's way or team's way, how do the guys respond? And when you see Gino, I want my quarterback to have that kind of poise and wherewithal and be there to be like, hey, we're fine. We're going to be okay in this moment. And obviously Gino and Russell Wilson are not the same person at all. But that's also something that Russ did well. But it's like having your quarterback in that moment be like, Hey, bro, I got you. Everything's yep. going to be great. You know what I mean? So I love Gino. He's crushing the game. And I'm hoping he can crush this Giants defense because they are towards the bottom in most of 24th in total defense, 30th in points allowed, 18th against the pass. So I'm thinking Gino can get loose against these guys. We'll see what happens. On the year, Gino, 71 of 103 for 736, four touchdowns in one interception. Now, Bump, the guy that we've also talked about a lot in this podcast is Saquon Barkley, taking on the Seahawks front seven. And he's one of the best in the game, I think, in my opinion, when he's healthy. In 2022, he was the league's fourth leading rusher with 1,312 yards, 10 touchdowns, also adding 338 receiving yards and 57 receptions. The Giants rely heavily on Barkley when he's healthy. He played in the NFL, an NFL high 80% of the team's running back snaps last season. He was on the field for 65 of 67 offensive snaps, 97% against the Cardinals before getting injured on the second to last offensive play. So when he's out there, at least last year, he was incredibly durable. And he's, to me, he's what makes their offense go without him. They're about a shell of themselves. In my opinion, Braid is good or breed is good. Excuse me. Daniel Jones can get some stuff done with his legs, but he's just that good. And this is more a compliment to him than a diss on the other guy. But when he's not in the game, it's going to be, it's rough for him. Yeah, it's going to be Russ, man. This year, he has 29 carries for 114 and one touchdown. And um, if he's not able to go, like you said, we got Brita, who's um, who's been around the league for a while, spent some time in San Francisco, Miami, Buffalo. Uh, he's done his thing, right? Brita only has 31 yards on seven carries. The numbers are going to wow you, but at least you know that this is a guy who understands the league and how things work. Now, on the flip side, the Seahawks defense is one of the best in the league when it comes to stopping the run. They're six in run defense when it comes to yards per game. They're third when it comes to yards per carry, and they have still not allowed any player to run for more than 68 yards. These guys are locked in when it comes to the run. Jay Reed promised. He promised they was going to get it right. So, so far, Jay Reed, you are correct, sir. I love it. I love it because that's, that's Pete Carroll football. That's Seahawks football. It's running the ball and stopping the run. The battles were won on the trenches, so love seeing that from the Seahawks standpoint. Another guy that's a new addition for the Giants, someone you definitely want to keep an eye on, is Darren Waller and Darius Slayton, kind of grouping them together. Because, Bump, when you think about the Giants, you don't think about their passing attack. No. And it's been a while since he thought that way, so I got a little intrigued, so I'm like, let me let me dig up some numbers, man, because 
I don't feel like they've I feel like they've kind of struggled in that category. So this is how much they've struggled. The Giants have not had a 1,000-yard receiver since Odell Beckham Jr. in 2018. Just to give you guys context, Eli Manning was still the full-time starter. And while 2018, for most people, doesn't seem that long ago, five years is a long time in the football world. So it's been a little bit of a struggle. They haven't had a receiver with more than four touchdowns since 2019. And Darius Slayton, who I think is a good player, but he's been the team's leading receiver three out of the past four seasons, 19, 20, and 22 He's been the most consistent player that Daniel Jones has had out there at receiver last year, 46 receptions for 724 yards and two touchdowns. Now bump Darren Waller. We obviously got to see him a lot with the Vegas Raiders and he's a great player. Back to back a thousand yard seasons. What about his game makes him special? And, and why do you think the, the giants wanted to have him on their football team? Man, he's one of those guys, one of those tight ends who can actually get busy with the ball in his hands. He's not like a, old school, uh, great tight end, Jason Witten, who ain't going to give you much after the catch. He can do it all. You can line him up in the slot too as well, detach him for the line of scrimmage, and you can get some matchups right there. So, uh, yeah, we like Darren Waller. Like you mentioned, man, he had two straight seasons of 1,000 yards and 19 and 20. Last two years, he's only played 20 or 33 games. Um, He's been banged up a lot. So, through three games, Waller um, with the Giants, he's their leading receiver. He's got 12 receptions for 132 yards, but no touchdowns yet. Uh, he's going to be a matchup problem. And I wonder what they're going to do with that, especially with Jamal Adams being healthy. Now you're going to use him a bit more like in coverage. We know that's not uh, what he does best, but he can still cover. Are you going to bring in a nickel to try to uh, try to work with him? Is it going to be Devin Witherspoon? Is Kobe Bryant going to be healthy? He's that guy because of his body type that provides um, some, um, some matchups that, uh, that are, that are quite difficult to be honest with you. Yeah, you're right. The one nice thing you mentioned, Jamal Adams coming back, is hopefully defensive coordinator Clint Hurt has everything at his disposal. You know what I mean? As in a healthy Reek Woolen. Okay. We know we're probably not going to see Trey Brown wait for Pete Carroll to address that injury because of the concussion. But if you have Reek Woolen back, if you have Jamal back, if Julian Love's healthy and Diggs is out there, now you have Mike Jackson, obviously, and you have Witherspoon. So now if you have a full stable of guys that are healthy, Devin Bush is back out there. So you can mix up a lot of different things, whether you go big nickel with multiple safeties in there, whether you bring in more defensive backs, if it's a dime situation, I don't know. I just feel like, especially because the Giants want to run the ball, and if depending on if Saquon's playing, but you're right. it uh, He is a matchup nightmare. I'm just hoping that Clint Hurt will have all of his chess pieces, if you will, to be able to make those uh, make those calls and, you know, Help the Seahawks shut these boys down. And then lastly, Bump, the last matchup I want to look at is, is the running backs. Now, you're an offensive coordinator. You've been a head coach. You've been doing this thing. You play wide receiver. You know this. What about them right now makes them special with that, that one-two punch right now, that combo? What when you Specifically, though, when you talk about them as runners, talk about Ken as a runner and talk about Charbonnet as a runner and why both of them together are nightmares on defense. What's crazy about these two, it's a one-two punch, but it's like a, a jab and a cross punch. And they even no hook yet because we ain't even really seen all of Zach Charbonnet yet, right? And you look at Ken Walker, he's the guy who's got the wiggle. I call it the ha-ha, right? He got that <laughs> hezzy. He will still lower the boom and run you over. Don't get it twisted. But he's got the hezzy, and he's he's gotten more reps in his league, so he understands what works what doesn't work. Charbonnet is like that stubborn downhill, I'm trying to run you over, and we saw that on the goal line, right? They both possess some of the same things, 
but their style is a bit different. Zach Charbonnet is more downhill. You got Ken Walker, who's more east-west. Both reserve the right to do both, but their their fortes are the way that I describe it. So I'm excited about this combo. I think that last week was the first time we could really start to envision what Shane Waldron wants to do with these guys. And they're not selfish. There's a story that Pete Carroll talks about that no one really saw. Um, on that Jake Bobo touchdown, they're trying to change personnels, and Zach is coming out, Ken Walker's going in, and Ken tells Zach to stay in there. Like, look, you got us down here, man. I stole your touchdown uh, the drive before. You go ahead and get this one. He leaves Zach Charbonnet in, thinking they're going to hand the football off, end up throwing the ball to Jake Bobo. But um, the fact that these two are already vibing with each other, and respecting each other, and then you add just the way they run the ball. Goodness gracious. This I'm trying to think of another another combo that gives me the feels that these guys give when it comes to running the rock. I can't put my hand on it. You can go to Miami and because you can't ignore what they did last week with their rookie and what they have over there. But I can't find a combo that has the potential that this these two have. Man, I, that gets me fired up. I just want to watch them play. I just want to get out there. And, and the nice thing about what the Seahawks did last week is they got them carries. That's ex- yep. about exactly how you want it split, and hopefully they have to run the ball more because if they're running the ball with some authority, that means the Seahawks are probably up and, and winning pretty big. Speaking of winning, let's tell you how to get that done. Path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away, and that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Including the Super Bowl win over the Broncos, the Seahawks are 4-0 at MetLife Stadium. The Hawks have also had the NFL's best record on Monday Night Football with a 28-12 record. That's a 700 win percentage. So they had some good times down at MetLife. They beat up on the Giants two times. They beat down the Jets one other time and obviously win the Super Bowl. So they're familiar with having some success in that building, obviously under the lights. But for me, Bump, it's, it's simple. Pick up where you left off against the Panthers. Stay on the field on third downs and execute when you get in the red zone. Can't settle for field goals, man. Jason Myers almost set a, a club record with – he tied it and almost set a record with six. So once you get down there, take advantage of it. We need touchdowns, not field goals. And then also you just talked about it a bunch. Walker, Charbonnet run the ball. I want to see lots of those two against this Giants defense. Yeah, I'm all for Myers um, hitting incentives in his contract as far as made <laughs> field goals. But, uh, yeah, we, we need those tutties. Hey, what I want to see is keep using the tight ends, man. They had great games from Fant and Parkinson last week. Will Disley might be back this week. I'm not sure yet. But, again, the best tight end room in the game, keep using these guys. And then get after Daniel Jones. You got to put pressure on this guy. I don't know if you saw the clip of him looking at the Niners defense and how shook he looked. I don't know if that's indicative of what he was really feeling, but I know what it looked like. I need the defense to put that fear of God in (laughs) Daniel Jones, man. Keep stopping the run. Show that it's not a fluke. Let Jamal get loose. We've been waiting all year to see this, man. Oh, I am so fired up to see Jamal Adams, man. I just want him to go up and, and shut up the haters, man. People have a lot of things to say about Jamal Adams. What I've seen in this building, he's a great teammate. He shows up. He's just been unlucky. We saw what he could do when he played in 2020. This man is a great football player. He's a former All-Pro. I want to see him display that on Sunday or Monday night. So I'm really excited for Jamal Adams. And let's go get a win. Go into the bye week, 3-1. and one, That sets you up. You start getting guys back. Charles Cross, Abe Lucas. Then you start really getting healthy, and they can really get this thing rolling. 
All right, guys, reminder, you can catch us everywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Sirius XM, and more. And please don't forget, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, to rate us. We appreciate the five stars for everyone who's already rated, and we want to keep that five-star rating, so we appreciate the love. For Michael Bumpus, I'm Nasa Choby. We will be back with you on Tuesday next week, hopefully talking about a Seahawks victory.